0: Thanks, and welcome. I'm Jim Swan.
1: And I'm Linda Smith.
0: Linda is the CEO of BBB Western Ontario.
1: And BBB is a program that gives consumers information from businesses they can trust.
0: Back to school. Three words that are packed with emotion, no matter what your age or stage in life. It brings to mind everything from a fresh start, and new challenge, to distant memories of years long past.
1: And today on Ask BBB... Ashley Castleman will join us to pass along BBB's tips for back-to-school shoppers.
0: And we'll all go back to school as we learn about first aid training in the workplace. Lorraine Fisher of First Aid Junction is our guest this morning. Good morning, Lorraine, and welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, and thank you for having me. We'll learn what the regulations require in terms of trained personnel in and at every workplace and how companies are expected to meet and maintain those standards.
0: So, Lorraine, what are the regulations regarding having people in the workplace trained and certified in first aid?
1: So, WSIB
2: does set those standards, um, and if you have that workplace health and safety book, the green and white book every workplace should have, it's actually Section 1101. If you don't have it, you can just Google uh, Section 1101 WSIB, and it pops up immediately. So, all workplaces that have five or less employees at any one time can have what's called the emergency first aid, Um, And all employees that have six or more at any one time need to have the standard first aid. And uh, the WSIB reports do say what is included in the class, what things we have to
1: cover, um, as well as what should be in your first aid kit, depending on the number of participants. So how does first aid training fit into the occupational health and safety awareness training? It's all part of it, right? You have to understand each and every regulation is about protecting the
2: employees. Um, WSIB and Ministry of Labor have set that book based on previous accidents and experience and figuring out what they can do to reduce injuries. Um, so every segment, including the First Aid Section 1101, has that um, that result in
0: mind. So what government ministry or department sets these standards and, and how are companies held accountable?
2: Well, right now, it is almost all with the WSIB. However, a lot of this training is being um, handed back to the Ministry of Labor. The working at heights for construction is now being um, regulated by the Ministry of Labor again. And over the next few years, it's going to be a big transition from WSIB back to Ministry of Labor.
0: So there are a number of things like working at heights that are required. Uh, We see a lot of construction. As a matter Mm -hmm. of fact, there's some happening around my home, and I I watch this happen, and I don't know that they were using the harnesses that they should have when they were uh, at the heights. It was only for about one day. But, uh, what, but what happens if a company uh, has an accident or if something happens?
2: Well, there's a few things there. One, it is quite common for people not to wear the equipment, right? And it, it comes from a sense of complacency. I've been on a roof a hundred times and I haven't fallen off. Why would I fall off today? <laughs> um, but what people don't realize is that 20 people die in Ontario every single year from falling at workplace. And nobody thinks it's going to be them, right? So I do understand what you're saying, people not wearing the harnesses, but it does happen. The other thing is you were referring to workplace accidents. We no longer use that term. Um, now it's workplace injury. Um, and if you find a workplace injury, I will find you the the person who broke the rule, the thing that happened for that injury to take place. There's so many safety rules and regulations in place now. If somebody was hurt at work, somebody broke a rule.
1: So there's uh, lots of training required to help prevent accidents. First mm-hmm. aid training is needed for emergencies that occur that occur in spite of all of those best efforts. But first aid training is something we might be called on in our personal and family life. In your experience, what is the most frequent use of first aid training? Quite often, it's actually cuts and
2: scrapes, right? Children falling off of bicycles, somebody falling off a swing set. A teeter-totter story is one that I heard in my class I was teaching today. Um so if somebody falls, breaks their arm. And um, so those very minor cuts and scrapes are, are probably the most common. Um, slips and falls uh, at, at the workplace. Also, somebody slips and falls and somebody comes running to help them, slips in the same spot, lands on them. It's another story that I, I manage to hear quite often. Um, and some much more serious ones, right? Uh, an old timers hockey game and somebody clutches their chest and goes down from a heart attack. I hear that story quite often as well. Um, could be at work, could be at home, could be at uh, Thanksgiving dinner.
0: Uh, well, speaking of heart attacks, uh, cardiopulmonary res- resuscitation or CPR, it's, that's part of all first aid training, as, as I understand. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we hear a lot about AEDs or automated external defibrillators. Uh, Uh, Is that a separate training or is that part of the the overall training now?
2: Nope. Since the 2005 standards have come out, anybody who takes any level of CPR or first aid training, um, if it is a certification card, it must include AED training. Um, Defibrillators are public access. Uh, Everybody should be trained on them. Um, It is included in all courses. There's no extra charge. It's just part of the course. If you're taking a first aid class, you're getting AED
1: training. So where can someone go to get first aid training if they're interested?
2: Well, there's lots of different options, right? Of course, you can contact me directly at firstaidtrainingjunction.ca. Um, you can go through the Better Business Bureau. We do run courses once a quarter at your location. It's a very convenient thing that your members get to participate at a group discount rate without having a group discount. We use your facilities. Um, it's a, it's a great opportunity. Um, you can Google First Aid Training London Ontario. You're going to get lots of different options.
0: If we uh, are going to be signing up for uh, a first aid training. Uh, how long does it take? Is it a day? Is it two days? Uh, what what What's the extent of the training?
2: Again, it depends on the level you're interested in, right? If you just want the basic CPR, it does include a heart attack, stroke, and uh, deadly bleeding as well. Um, that's only four to six hours, right? The emergency first aid, so for the companies that have less than, or sorry, five or less employees, um, that's seven to eight hours. And then the full standard first aid is 14 to 16 hours, But there is an online version available now where you can do one day of the two-day standard first aid online. But just be aware, some people think it's going to be click, 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 and I'm done in 20 minutes. Uh, The Red Cross has done a fantastic job of making sure that you have to go through each step and learn that material before you can get to the next step. Um, So it is a full day or chunks, like two hours several times uh, to uh, to get that online part done.
0: You're listening to Ask BBB, and our guest is Lorraine Fisher of First Aid Junction. And we'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Welcome back. I'm Jim Swan with Linda Smith, who is the CEO of BBB Western Ontario. And our guest this morning is Lorraine Fisher of First Aid Junction.
1: Hey. At the Better Business Bureau office, a quarterly, we offer your first aid training uh, to our accredited businesses. I understand we have emergency first aid and we have standard first aid. Correct. Can you explain the
2: difference? Sure. The emergency first aid is the course required for five or less employees, And it is one day long. It's basically the first eight chapters of the book. And uh, the participants that only wish the emergency first aid would write their test at the end of the day and they would get their certification card as they left on the first day. Participants that uh, wish to take the full two days, so workplaces that have six or more employees, would stay for the second day and write their test at the end of the second day.
1: So we offer these uh, courses at the Better Business Bureau office Mm -hmm. um, and uh, having Worked there during the courses, there's always a lot of laughter and, yeah. and giggles coming out of the boardroom, and there's participants uh, lying all over the office, and they seem <laughs> to be having a <laughs> lot of fun. Right. How do you attribute your program to uh, causing so much uh, laughter?
2: Um, one, I just try to keep the participants as involved as possible. The number one reason for first aid training is to make people feel comfortable in a real emergency. So if I can get them to participate and share stories and examples, Um, they're much more engaged. They're going to pay a lot more attention. And it creates more of a conversation style, and that gets uh, everybody involved, everybody participating, everybody relaxed, everybody having fun. I do share a lot of real-life stories that other participants have shared in the past. I use some stuff that I find in the media. Um, And we play games. We play Jeopardy, Wheel of Misfortune. Um, Mm -hmm. We've got all kinds of fun games that uh, are a great way to review and uh, ensure that participants understand the material while having fun because if they can have fun, they'll retain the
0: information. So they're anxious to come back when when their certificate expires. So how long do they have to wait or how often do we need to renew our training?
2: Well, the, the cards expire every three years. All first aid cards expire every three years. It's a WSIB that you must recertify before your card expires. So if your card expired today, you can't call me up two weeks from now and say I need to take a recert. You have to take the full course again. And the research is uh, this for the standard first aid is one day, all the material, and half the time. So you need to do that before your card expires.
0: So that's first aid training. Right. We talked about other courses. Um, one of them is Workplace Hazardous Materials Information right. System, or WIMIS. That's right. Uh, is that still. Uh, something people need to have in the workplace? It
2: is for sure. And now WIMIS is a little bit different because it needs to be reviewed annually. It can be a little bit more specific to your workplace. However, there's a really big change is happening with WIMIS. Um, it's turning into a, a globalized system, um, which I know sounds like it means everywhere in the world is going to be exactly the same. Unfortunately, each country only had to um, take a certain percentage of the globalized system. So there are still some countries that are slightly different. Um, there are some single symbols available in the U.S. that are not used in Canada, for example. Um, but there are a lot of changes. Some things, you know, that little dotted line on the Wimis label that everybody recognizes, they know that that's the WMIS label, um, that's disappearing. It's gone in the globalized system. Um, there was always eight categories on the WMIS label. Previously, we're going up to 16. And it's not they're giving us a ton more information. They're breaking the, the topics down into smaller pieces to get a little bit easier to read. The same information is going to be there. It's just more consistent with the rest of the world. So it, uh, it is important to get that training um, so that you're up date to date in currents because by the end of next year, I believe, um, everybody's going to have to be using the new labels.
0: So that's the timetable. By the end mm-hmm. of next year, uh, the, the end of eighteen, would that be it?
2: You know, I hate to say that and not be one hundred percent accurate, but I mm-hmm. believe I believe it's December next year. But I'm I'm going off the top of my
0: head. So that's an alert to anybody that's had women's training is mm-hmm. to to know that that's uh, coming up, and we we might want to make sure it's there. Now uh, we talked about regulations and making sure that people in the workplace are trained. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we have a small staff, does do we have to have somebody there uh, at the workplace who is trained? Uh, ah. Does that mean you have to reschedule your holidays?
2: That's why it's wise to get everybody trained in the workplace, right? Because you must have one person trained at all times, and it's one person in the area. So if you have an office and a factory, you can't just have one person trained in the office, right? You need to have somebody trained Within a reasonable area. And the guide doesn't state what reasonable area is, just what's in a reasonable area. So if you only get one person trained, maybe the office manager, that's great. If the office manager doesn't take lunches or breaks or holidays or sick (laughs) days, right? So you Mm. need to allow for all that. The more people you have trained, the less you have to worry about that.
0: Now, we talk about training and uh, we go through it. Do people actually use the training? Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, have you ever had a situation where somebody goes out of a class and within the the uh, first few weeks, they've had to apply some of what they've learned?
2: I do hear that quite a bit. I get emails or phone calls and say, you're not going to believe it the next day at work, blah, blah, blah happened. But I got a better story. It's kind of cool. So the first Tuesday of every month, I offer a free workshop to expectant parents at Children's Furniture Gallery. So it's just a little half-hour, 45-minute workshop on what to do if your baby chokes. So we talk about prevention, calling 911, how to recognize it's happening, and what to do if it happens. It's free, whatever. So this couple attended probably three years ago, And uh, shortly afterwards, the dad was playing with the baby on the couch. And all of a sudden, he realized the baby was choking. So he started to holler for his wife who come running in. She did the back blows. He called 911. So two months ago, back at the children's furniture gallery, the guy shows up. His wife's expecting. And he says this time he wants to do it right. He doesn't want to call his wife. (laughs) So, (laughs) So he took the training a second time. And my response to him was, well, kudos, good for you for coming back. But he also did everything right. He got help. He got somebody there. His baby is totally okay. No no consequences to it. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to remember everything that's in the book. They, they saved their baby.
0: And that's a happy ending.
2: Yeah, I love those stories.
0: And we want to thank you very much for uh, bringing this information to us today, Lorraine. Perfect. Our guest has been Lorraine Fisher of First Aid Junction. Well, thanks and- for having me. And when we return, it's back to school. Welcome back to Ask BBB. I'm Jim Swan. And I'm Linda Smith. Linda is the CEO and president of BBB Serving Western Ontario.
1: And today we're going to be discussing back-to-school shopping.
0: Ashley Kastemann joins us now with some tips to make that trip easier and more economical. Welcome to this side of the microphone, Ashley.
1: Good morning. So it's an annual ritual for families with school-aged children and it includes everything from school supplies to new outfits to wear.
3: So, where do we start? Well, the first place you're going to want to start is uh, somewhere simple, like making a list. Even if you don't have a school supply list yet, uh, you can still purchase other items like clothing and other sc- uh, school essentials like pens, notebooks, binders. Um, what One thing might be easier is to make a list per, for each of your children, uh, but... Start by shopping at home uh, for items that you might have left over from last year. So take a look to see if you have paper left over, if you have pens that still work, um, (laughs) highlighters, things like that. That way you know what you need to uh, start with when you do go shopping um, or maybe check and see if your backpack still works or if it needs to be replaced.
0: So that can help the budget. Yes. And should we have a budget? Of course.
3: Yes. So that would be your next step, actually, is to create um, the budget after you make the list. The budget will help shape your shopping list and help you limit purchases uh, to only items that you need. Uh, Knowing your budget will also allow you to put money towards larger items or a special purchase.
1: So technology has uh, made its way onto that back-to-school list. Any suggestions on how we uh, uh, shop for back-to-school with technology?
3: Uh, Carefully. Um, You're going to want to do your research for any major purchases. So this could be a fancy calculator that maybe your high school uh, student needs, uh, laptop, laptop. dorm refrigerator, um, anything, or even a new cell phone, uh, those are things you're going to want to compare online first. Do your research so you know what you're buying before you put down a big chunk of money.
0: Now, do some uh, outfits or organizations offer educational discounts? Is that something?
3: Yes, they do, Um, especially if one of your – children is starting university or college, a lot of them get um, discounts for going to those schools. So uh, ask if you're shopping online to see if you can get an educational discount.
1: So should we uh, let the students get involved?
3: Yes, it's a, especially if they're just starting school, it's a fun way to get them involved. Mm-hmm. And that way they're not maybe not so nervous when it's their first day of school. Um, so they'll be more enthusiastic about returning to school as well. Um, you can help them uh, by just letting them pick out one item. Uh, that will make them feel a lot more involved in the process.
0: And they might even pitch in on making the list too, eh? Yes,
3: exactly. Yeah.
0: Now, when we've talked of other things, you always caution us to make sure that we should <laughs> learn about returns or refunds. Um, Can some of this be returned?
3: Uh, Uh, Some of it can be. Some of it might might not be able to be returned. Uh, So you're going to want to ask what the refund policy is, ask if it's just a store credit or if there's a restocking fee, especially if you buy your uh, child a new laptop but maybe they're a little fussy and it's not what they want. And then you have to have a restocking fee and you lose up to maybe 20% of that. That's a big uh, gamble to make. So it's best to ask these questions before you uh, put any money down.
1: So the calendar has just turned to August and we're starting Mm -hmm. to see signs everywhere and advertising everywhere, back to school, back to school shopping, back to school savings. Any tips
3: for finding things that might be discounted or on sale? There's lots of ways to find uh, discounts or even coupons. Uh, You can check online. There's lots of uh, coupon sites out there that will give you um, like 10% off. They kind of search the internet and will find you the best uh, coupons that are active currently or even just uh, old-fashioned way, just looking through flyers that are in your area. There's always going to be sales during this time of year.
0: Something I hadn't thought of, but um, getting together with other parents and – Maybe making a bulk buy is that—that—that's quite an idea.
3: Yes, so you can always do that. Ask um, a few of your friends who have kids if they want to go into bulk for a few things, um, or even uh, stores like Costco where you can buy large quantities. Especially if you have uh, quite a few children, mm-hmm. um, it might save you some money in the long run. So, back to technology. Uh, any other things we should be looking for with
1: respect to cell phone purchases and computers? I know a lot of times the school will give you the criteria for the calculator that you might need Mm -hmm. or there may be requirements for specific pieces of technology based on the courses you're going to be taking.
3: Yeah, those are good things to ask uh, before your uh, child starts school. Um, This is the time of year where uh, kids are going back to school, your kid's a little bit older, so it might be time that you want them to get them a cell phone. Um, I know one of my friends, her kid's is about 10-11, so she wants to get him a cell phone. So you're going to want to ask what the data plans are. Mm -hmm. Uh, Make sure it is appropriate for what they need. Uh, Make sure they're not going to go over data. Know what those charges will be. Ask about time commitments to see if there's a one-year contract or if you can can cancel it at any time.
0: And, of course, you may use a credit card for some of this. Yes. uh, What about credit cards for students, uh, especially university students?
3: A lot of the time when a university student um, heads the campus, there's always a credit card booth trying to sign them up or at the grocery store to try and sign them up for the first credit card. Uh, So it's a perfect time to have a quick chat with uh, your student going away to college or university and let them know the – drawbacks and the benefits of having a credit card and that they do have to pay back that money. Um, Also, that they should be reading the fine print of the credit card and understand what the interest rate is. Uh, So it's a great time to educate and have a a good chat with your kid about that.
1: One of the larger purchases that you'll be looking at as well will be perhaps a new laptop, perhaps a new desktop. Any tips for
3: back-to-school shoppers? A laptop is a huge purchase, um, especially if... Uh, your kid is uh, going to go to a photography class or um, graphic design, you're going to want to make sure that computer is going to be right for that program. Make sure it has the right components, the right amount of RAM and memory. Um, So do your research ahead of time and make sure it's appropriate for that program.
0: Once again, some very useful information. Thank you very much, Ashley. Thank you. And um, I'm sure everybody's excited about getting back to school now. And that's Ask BBB for this time around. Uh, BBB, Serving Western Ontario, was founded in 1983 and it serves Chatham, Kent, Elgin, Essex, Huron, Lambton, Middlesex and Norfolk counties. You can contact us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram at BBB Western Ontario.
1: If you have any questions or if you have some guest suggestions, tweet us at hashtag ask BBB.
0: And once again, thanks to our program producer, Ashley Castleman, Communications Manager at BBB Serving Western Ontario. So until next time, I'm Jim Swan.
1: And I'm Linda Smith.
0: Remember, ask BBB.
1: And start with trust.